0: The Business Animal Podcast is proudly sponsored by WP Engine, your resource for managed WordPress hosting and keep the premier CRM software for small business. Head over to thebusinessanimal.com for the best deals on these two amazing products. Welcome to the Business Animal Podcast. Saddle up for a gallop to the top of the animal industry where you'll learn how to tame your wild business beast with tips, techniques, and tools that will take overwhelm to obedience school and have you wagging your tail with joy. And now, your hosts, Kim Beer and Kara Taylor Swift. Hey there, business animals. It's Kim with Be More Business. And Kara with Fast Horse Photography. And today we have an amazingly interesting episode for you. We are gonna be talking with Warren of Canna Horse. And Warren has an interesting story as well as an interesting business. That's a business that he's run into some obstacles with. So our main topic for today is looking at all of the ways that you can overcome obstacles in your own business and be successful even if you are facing a few challenges. So, Kira, would you like to introduce Warren to our listeners?
1: Absolutely. Warren, welcome to the show. We're so excited to have you on today. Thanks for being here with us.
2: Thank you for having me.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, y'all, I'm gonna welcome Warren Byrne to the show today. I'm gonna do a brief little bio, but there's so many fascinating pieces to it that when Kim and I were going through, it was just so interesting. So we're gonna make sure that we put all of this online so you guys can check it out. But here's what I want to tell you about Warren. Warren was born into horse racing, having been raised at Park Stud, one of Canada's leading commercial thoroughbred farms of the past 50 years. Park Stud is named for Warren's paternal family farm, Park House Stud, one of Ireland's first stud farms farms, which has been in the family for around 400 years. Warren has worked with some of the most prestigious farms in thoroughbred racing and many amazing horses. In 2011, Warren was elected as the youngest member of the Jockey Club of Canada. His work in marketing and promotion of horse sports has included the Royal Canadian Mounted Police, BBC Films, Hansbro Sports, And he has created annual events for the Canadian Thoroughbred Horse Society at Woodbine Racetrack. In addition to his work with horses, Warren is a successful amateur show jumper and an avid fox hunter. Welcome, Warren. Thank you, ladies. I believe you're our first Canadian on the show. Is that true? i like our first
0: Canadian guest.
2: That's good. You're going You're going international now.
0: We are international.
1: <laughs> we do have a lot of <laughs> listeners in Canada. We do. Yeah, we, we have, have a lot of listeners in Canadian. Canada, Kim. Listens Canada. Yeah, I love my Canadian listeners. Warren, why don't you tell us a little bit about how you got started with Horse? We would love to hear a little bit about that.
2: horse was founded in, the idea came to me in 2018 after I had a bad accident off off of a young eventing prospect he was a unraced four-year-old thoroughbred that bolted just as I was getting on and he was running at a wall and so I decided I needed to get off and um had to get off at speed. It was the end of March in Ontario. So we didn't have any snow, but the ground was still frozen. And I landed on my side. And at first I thought I was okay. But when I stood up, I couldn't move my right arm. And it turned out that I had broken my humerus, which is not humerus by the way. (laughs) In, uh, I'd broken my humerus and I had, um, I eventually had to have surgery. The surgeon was originally concerned that I might've had a bone density issue. And I have been taking Omeprazole for quite a while, which is the generic version of GastroGard. I take it as uh, Nexium. And one of the side effects of that can be early onset osteoporosis. First, that was a bit of a concern. And then after the surgery, I wasn't able to take the opioid painkillers that was prescribed. And Canada has a fairly robust medical cannabis program at the time, and now we have a recreational program very similar to California. So I was referred to a cannabis clinic, and I was prescribed three products. And I was able to rest. I was able to uh, manage my pain. I was able to sleep. And I was back on a horse and at a horse show 11 weeks after my surgery. And at my nine week follow up, the surgeon looked at my arm and he was uh, quite a candid fellow. And he uh, he laughed and he, lo- sorry, looking at my x-rays, he laughed and uh, he said, get the hell out of here. You have enough bone regrown in here. I could take some out and give it to my next patient. He said, "This is really quite remarkable. This is 12 weeks of healing in nine weeks." And he said, "You don't need to see me again." And so I, during that time, I had already, um, I was doing my recovery on the farm. At the time, I was splitting my time between the farm and uh, downtown Toronto. And being surrounded by horses, I thought there has to be a way we can apply this to horses. Horse health has always been a uh, something I've been passionate about. And the other interesting thing about my, my injury and the recovery was it lined up almost, the timing lined up almost exactly with a study that was done in Israel, where they fractured the pelvises of rats. And administered CBD, and the rats healed, their their pelvic fractures healed on average about 25% faster. And so my 12 weeks and nine weeks lined up pretty well with that. And so anyway, that's how we got started. And then in 2019, we formed the business.
1: Wow. What a leap to go from your own health to thinking about equine health. I I can honestly say personally, like anytime I've had to take medication, I've never thought to myself, like, how would this apply in the equine world? you know, I've just never thought that that mindset just jumping forward into that is pretty incredible.
2: Yeah, growing up on the farm, one of the first things I remember was our farm manager giving me a, uh, he got tired of me being around the barn. I was probably seven or eight. And he said, if you're going to be around here annoying us, uh, you better do some work. And so he chopped off a pitchfork and, uh, and we, I, we still have the pitchfork at the farm. When the vets would come in, that was something I was always really, really interested in. And so I would rack their brains. And I, we were lucky to have two brilliant vets in, Usha Kanabi, who does, uh, she does the work, a lot of work for the Canadian eventing team, and Hugh Llewellyn, who invented the uh, Hobdate surgery, which is a throat surgery. And so being around two, two vets like that uh, just sort of inspired me. And I, I wanted to be, in high school, I wanted to be a vet, but I couldn't get out of grade 11 physics. So that sort of put a, put a stop to that dream. Uh,
0: I had the same problem with calculus. <laughs> was the calculus (laughs) yeah well
2: I didn't even get to (laughs) calculus never mind uh, I didn't even I didn't even get to the opportunity to fail calculus
0: (laughs) yeah calculus was not my friend yeah that's amazing and I love that you are are working with us having had the same injury that you had almost identical accident I was getting on a colt she bolted out from underneath me I felt bad so I exited so I let go it broke my humerus and have a plate as well so I know healing from that injury is a major challenge because and it was not just the injury it was a surgery for me because they cut completely through my tricep muscle in order to be able to put the plate in so I not only had to grow back bone I had to mend muscle my body had to mend muscle and I just counted that I'm a a good farm girl that I I did well with my recovery and 20 plus years later, I'm good to go. But when it comes to what you put together, I think that that is amazing. And I think we're seeing so many more studies and more information about the value of CBD oil and cannabis in all kinds of biological life, horses, dogs, cats, everything included, humans. But when you start a business around that, Warren, I'm thinking that 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 can hit some challenges, right? Because not everyone has completely gotten on the cannabis is okay bandwagon. And there's a lot of regulations and a lot of things in your industry that I'm sure that you've run up against. And in our original conversation and prepping for the episode, you had a really interesting quote that I I think is the first thing we really want to talk about today. And that's, if you can't play the hand you want, you need to be able to play the hand you're dealt in your business. So talk to us a little bit about how that has played out, that notion of, you know, wanting to do something, running into a (laughs) metaphorical wall in this case where you couldn't do that and then being able to adapt and change. So I'd love to hear about how you've done that with Can a Horse.
2: You know, when we first started, the impetus to actually turn it into a business came from the unique timing. You know, my accident was in March of 2018 and the Cannabis Act in Canada that legalized cannabinoids here came in October of that year. And so the timing really sort of lined up. If you know, if I had broken my arm, if this is a decade ago, this never this wouldn't even have been a been a thought. And so The first obstacle was, in America, things are complicated because it's state by state, but you also have two sets of regulations. You have the farm bill that sort of legalized hemp in most ways, and then you have the gray market of cannabis being legal in, I think it's now more than half the states have either medical or recreational cannabis, but it's not federally legal. And in Canada, while we have federally legal cannabis, all cannabinoids are treated the same. So if you get caught with more than 30 grams of C. CBD of say a CBD flower if you were to found with that and it was less than 0.3% THC it doesn't matter it is, the Ill- illegality is the same so we're actually working in a more controlled environment here and so that was our first challenge was we have to create products that that Health Canada will approve then we ran into if we want to do research there was such a backlog of research license applications into Health Canada because there isn't a pathway just for animals. You're not going to the U.S. Department of Agriculture, say, versus the FDA for your approval. All of the approval comes under Health Canada. So if somebody is applying to do a palatability study for the taste of a new gummy, that application is is ahead of, if it was put in before us, it's ahead of ours and ours is trying to do something entirely different. We went into it knowing that we will find a way, but we don't know what we're doing. Having said that, nobody else knew what they were doing. You know, Canopy were involved and they were starting a, uh, they had an animal health division. They're the, at one time, they were the largest cannabis company in the world. They still are one of the largest and they had an animal health division and they probably had better insight into what the regulations might be, but they still had to go through all the same processes as we did. So we knew we would figure out a way, but we really didn't know how that, what that way would be. So the first challenge was, How are we going to get this research done? Well, we're not going to sit around idle waiting two years to do that in Canada. So let's start looking around the world where we can find somewhere else where the timeline for a research license is a little shorter. So we ended up in South Africa and then fast forward to 2020 when we're about to do our study, COVID rears its head and suddenly horse transport in South Africa shut down. And in that case, we were going to have to be leasing a group of horses to do the study and having them transported from Johanna in the north of the country to Bloemfontein in the center of the country, and then hoping that things wouldn't get shut down again, which now in hindsight, we know things have opened up, shut down, opened up and shut down. So that was probably a good decision. But we were really afraid that, you know, the value of horses used in non-invasive trials is not terribly they're not terribly valuable animals and if things did shut down again we were afraid we might end up owning a herd of horses in South Africa and that wasn't a risk we were willing to take on both from an ethical standpoint and from a from a financial standpoint in order just to get our research done it was a bit of whack-a-mole you know we would try here and then there would be an issue mostly COVID related and so we ended up being able to finally do that study our first study in Prague and we through one of our investment partners in Biomita Animal Health they have done a lot of work at this at this particular facility but again, we were delayed uh, six months. We received our approval in about the standard timeline, maybe three weeks longer than the standard timeline pre-COVID. But then there were lockdowns and we weren't, you know, uh, people weren't allowed to go to work. So its it's been sort of challenge after challenge.
0: Well, yeah, but I think the moral of the story is that when you are an entrepreneur and you are building out a business. You are going to run into roadblocks and you are going to run into problems and you're going to run into things that you didn't think of. I mean, I don't think anybody saw COVID coming. I mean, I think that was a shock to every person on the planet, how that was going to play out. You know, I mean, maybe we knew it was coming, but we didn't know the ramifications of it to our society.
2: I had a meeting on March 6th in Toronto with two executives from Bymeda and one of them was based in hong kong while they were building a vaccine facility of of all things in china and he had in his experience there he said that this is going to be the spanish flu and everybody was at that point march 6th people were were still oh covid's not going to be a problem here and then you know a week later you know the whole world's in, lo- in lockdown and he it turned out to be a prescient sort of prediction and so when i heard that i thought This is a guy coming from, you know, he's coming from sort of the source of of COVID. And that sort of scared me. I thought we could be in for a long, long haul.
0: Yeah. And but you adapted. So when you ran into the roadblock in Canada, then you went to South Africa. When that didn't work, you went to Prague. And so I think, again, the moral of the story is have patience and keep looking for the next answer. If this answer doesn't work out, don't hold on to it. Don't give up, but move on to the next thing.
1: Are you looking to bring awareness to your equine-based product or service or create a unique way for your audience to feel connected to your brand? Quality horse photos tell your story and breathe life into your marketing. They draw your customers in and create an emotional connection. Powerful images communicate your core values and highlight the benefits your product offers, ultimately proving your business is a voice your customers can trust. It's time to use dynamic images that define your small business and separate you from the rest of the herd. Fast Horse Photography's professional photo library features thousands of searchable images available for businesses just like yours. And guess what? 100% of those images are horse-related. Now, finding the right horse images for your website, social media, and marketing needs is easier than ever. Help your audience see that your brand offers the answers they are looking for. Search for the perfect images for your equine business right now. Spur your customers into action with FastHorsePhotography.com. That's FastHorsePhotography.com.
0: So in the end... Warren, you did get your approval and you do have Can a Horse out into the world. Before we move on to our next piece of that, I'd like for you to talk about what exactly Can a Horse is as a business and what products you offer and where those are available. Because I'd like to do that before we move on to our next topic, which is talking about the misconceptions around this product. So I think it'll roll in nicely to that. So I'll let you go ahead and address that.
2: When we started the company, we were always focused on creating a sort of a medical product as opposed to, you know, a trendy health supplement or, or a treat. We wanted to create a product that was that was repeatable and dependable and something that a veterinarian would be happy to have in their toolbox because, you know, for the most part, when a vet gives a horse a gram of bute or a dose of acepromazine, they have an expectation of what's going to happen. And with a lot of cannabis products, given the nature of the plant and that every plant is sort of slight, it can be slightly different. There's not a lot of continuity and some plants will offer different effects and so that was very important to us to create a product that a veterinarian would be happy to have in their in their toolkit. So we target four main ailments, which are calming and anxiety, exercise and surgical recovery, arthritic pain, and gut health. And those are four core ailments that they are sort of buckets. You might have different reasons for recovery. You might have different reasons that you are for gut health, but they all kind of fall into those four categories. And those four categories are about the only thing in human cannabinoid medicine that are really, we're, other than seizures, that we're really, really seeing definitive effects, that studies are proving this is working for that ailment. And so trying to stay inside of what we know we can do and not get into, you, know, you see a lot of bizarre claims on, um, I was on a website yesterday and they're making claims about the improvement of, of coat health and there's nothing to say that, that, that that's possible. And so we're trying to make sure that we're realistic and give people and and veterinarians Something that they can feel confident that this actually works. Right now, we're primarily a direct-to-consumer brand. We do have a couple of retailers. One clinic in in Puerto Rico. They have a it's one facility that has a the Caribbean Therabed Aftercare, who we support. They have a vet clinic and then a and then a retail store. Our goal is, is to be a direct-to-consumer brand that also sells through through veterinarians. Right now, we're selling in America. Health Canada have not has not legalized animal products yet, so we're looking forward to that. But right now, we're essentially Actually an American an American brand with an office in, in Lexington, Kentucky.
0: Perfect. Right in right in the center of where the heart of their red racing is in, in the US. So that makes sense.
2: I have a lot of experience in Kentucky and it's also a good place to, to jump off to, to, to Florida, the Northeast. It's sort of central for that, for that purpose as well, because we have an increasing number of customers in Washington, but California, for example, treat horses as livestock and cannabinoid products are not allowed to be sold for, for livestock because they could end up in the food chain, which is a bit of a frustration because California has about the same number of horses as all of Canada. There's about three quarters of a million, rather.
0: I guess horses still could end up in a food chain somewhere, even though there's no slaughter facilities here in the U.S. So I get that. That's a that's another obstacle you got to kind of come over. <laughs>
2: Yeah, and I think California—it's more of a—it's more of a classification than the food aspect. Um, it's probably tax-related as well. Horses are considered livestock in Kentucky for tax purposes, but they don't have those same—they don't have those same restrictions.
0: That's another thing that I want to talk to you about, and I'm sure Kara might have something to add here, but you have to overcome a lot of misconceptions around marijuana and horses. I mean, I could see, you know, people, you you mentioned can a horse and, and you get to talking about it and people are asking you stupid questions like, how do you get the horses to smoke a joint? Or, um, you know, I mean, I, I can see a ton of those things happening. You know, how do you, how do you handle that, Warren? How do you, how do you, how do you help all of those out there who, Think that this is kind of a joke, or who have, just to circle back to your earlier comment, have read these wild claims or you know, have so many misconceptions around exactly the medical benefits.
2: Well, I've heard enough get off your high horse jokes uh to last me the rest <laughs> of my life already. But for for the most part, horse people <laughs> tend to have tended to say, yeah, that makes sense. Because horse people have dogs. Uh, that's kind of, I think 75% of horse owners have more than one dog. So the dog market is far more advanced than the equine market. And so you find that there are a lot, of, a lot of horse people have tried it on their dog, and that's what leads them to us, or they've tried it themselves.
1: Warren, I think some of the misconceptions around product usage, you know, would be something you'd probably deal with. And also misconceptions around, you mentioned research, animal research in the beginning. I could see a lot of misconceptions around that too. Could you
2: speak to that a little bit? One of the big questions we get from non-horse people who I, that I speak to is, well, why horses? What's it going to do for horses? And the easy answer to that is the same as it does for you. You know, the same as it does for people. You know, those four core ailments that I spoke about before, it's kind of a light bulb moment for them. They're like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. This is just logic. Every mammal has an endocannabinoid system. The method of action should be the same on a human as it is on, on other animals. The number of, of endocannabinoid receptors can change and cats, for example, are, are much more susceptible to THC toxosis than uh, than humans are. But the misconceptions and the challenges are the whole industry needs more research and we need to validate and prove that this actually does what we say it does. Anecdotal stuff is, is, is interesting, but we need large scale research to really prove what we're doing. And that's something that a lot of universities are interested in. Um, you have Colorado State, Murray State University, who um, who we've supported them in some of their research projects, including in, in cattle. This summer, we supported a study in weaning and transporting calves. So as that body of research builds, I think the confidence will come. And I think that and that's where also the sport regulators have a bit of trouble as well. You know, without the research to be able to definitively say that this is safe, they would rather not see it at all. And that's something that we sort of, when the FEI banned CBD in 20, 2019, I guess, that was not something that surprised me in the least. I was half expecting it to come and I don't disagree with their with their point, but I do think that you know, the idea that, that a, a rider at the Olympics could be, you know, puffing on a CBD vape pen before literally before he goes into the ring and gallop up to a meter 60 oxer and that he's meant to be safe, but the horse underneath him is not, when the fear is that the anxiolytic effects of CBD could cause a loss of faculties, there's not a lot of logic to the, the rider on the back. Being able to be essentially out of it, or st- or sort of stoned, if you will, and that the horse with the same med- exact same medication won't be. So those regulatory challenges have been have been frustrating. But I think that as the body of research grows from from both the work we're doing and then some of the other um, academic work and commercial research projects going on, I think we'll we'll see that there's a substance that's going to work for a lot of things, but it's also we're also going to prove that it doesn't do a lot of the things that people that people hope it will do, and that's sort of why we're not going to spend a lot of time. Focus on niche ailments. For example, we have one wonderful customer who is a prominent show jumper, and they're using Equilibrium, our calming anxiety formulation, on a horse with an eye issue, and it's um, it's causing a lot of swelling around around the eye socket, and it's working. It seems to be working. They're keeping the horse on it. Their vet's happy, but that's not something we're about to go and spend tens of thousands of dollars on to validate. It's such a small niche thing, and it kind of we feel that it will fit into. One one of those one of those buckets anyway you know that anti-inflammatory kind of recovery type
0: every small business owner wants to gain traction in their marketing after three decades of working with small business owners, just like you, I have developed what I call my four x four marketing method. In just one 90 minute session, you'll discover the four major focus areas of a successful marketing plan. And together we'll uncover where your business is getting stuck. You'll leave the session with an action plan of next steps that engage your revenue engine. Drop by bemorebusiness.com to request your session today. That's B-E-M-O-R-E business.com. See you there. So Warren, one of the things that I'm seeing come up repeatedly in this conversation is how you're differentiating what you're doing from what a lot of other people are doing. And and I've heard a couple of points along the way that I want to kind of revisit. One of the points that I think is the most important from what I can tell from your business from others that I've run across that are similar to not similar but in sort of the same realm of using CBD to facilitate healing in in animals and humans the fact that you are aiming to give vets a product that they can depend on as much as they depend on the staples of bute and the other drug that you mentioned like there's some standard equine painkillers out there and and drugs that vets use that they know exactly how that animal is going to react and that you're approaching that and giving them that peace of mind and the knowledge tells me from a business standpoint, you are separating yourself from other businesses out there and doing so very well. And then also how you're coming at this with where the information that you're gathering, the studies that you're doing. I mean, this is some serious, seriously wonderful medicine that can get caught up in a lot of people's attitudes towards, towards cannabis in general. So how are you, you've, you've talked about how you're doing the misconceptions. How are you setting up yourself so that people know that can of horse is different. Can of horses is not the same thing and that you're approaching this from a, a different perspective
2: one of the biggest frustrations we have is and this is this is with sort of non-intoxicating cannabinoids which include CBD CbG CBN CBC with with those there's this broad misconception that they're marketed as a panacea and I think us explaining that this is not a panacea this is not we're we also don't even market ourselves as a replacement for anything you know we're not a replacement for butte we're an alternative to butte in in the right situation but we're not we're not a repl- Placement. I would never suggest to somebody to, you know, buy a load of our products and throw out everything else in your barn because you don't need it. So when we talk to vets, we sort of explain where it could fit in. And a common one for us is, let's look at some core core medications that are frequently used, like take bute, for example. So you have a horse who kicks the wall, and in, in, you know, in it's summer, he kicks out at a fly, he kicks the wall, he's got a big ankle he's going to be fine, but he needs four, five, seven days of a butte and a bit of stall rest. Well, two things are likely to happen there. The stall rest could be hard on him. The butte is definitely going to be hard in his stomach. And butte is cheap. It's cheap. It works. It's been around forever, but it does cause ulcers. And then once you're on it for that five, seven days, you're now turning a $2 a day solution into a hundreds of dollars uh, over the over the course of it, when the vet needs to prescribe your horse gastro, a month of Gastrogard to offset the Butte, what we've been talking to vets about is let's try and avoid having to give that Gastrogard, which then has its own side effects. You know, the bone density issues we talked about earlier. Could a horse be given two days of Butte? while getting, you know, 10 days of our recovery product. And I think when we talk to vets and we have this pragmatic approach that hey, we understand this is not something you're comfortable with yet. And we would like you to try this in in cases where you're comfortable, where your client is comfortable, that's been able to open more doors or kind of keep the door open and extend the conversation. I think that when other companies have talked to vets. They've tried to, to sell it as, this is going to cure everything. And that's, you know, anybody, uh, you don't even need to be a vet to know that that's, that that's snake oil sales style. So like I said, we try not to make any claims uh, and we try to, to offer it as an alternative. And then you look at things like um, uh, reserpine that is often used for, you know, the long acting tranquilizer that's often used for uh, stall rest. And if a horse is given reserpine, one of the side effects is colic. And interestingly, with hemp, we're not actually bringing something, it's not necessarily that we're bringing something entirely new to market for horses. A hemp oil called a cannabis sativa L oil, which is the scientific name of the plant, that was standard carry for the US cavalry for instances of colic. So we're actually bringing back something that was used 100 years ago, and at the time, it was more popular and found to be more effective than opioids that were coming out, the morphine-type drugs that were coming out in the early 1900s. I think when we talk to those vets and we explain that this is something new and that it has been working for a long time, uh, they're a little more open to it.
0: Absolutely. So, in that environment, what you're doing is you're using data and you're using your studies and you're using the testimonials from your owners and you're using your product confidence and knowing that you're set apart to be able to really differentiate yourself in this noisy environment where not only are people hearing a lot about CBD and cannabinoids, but they're also hearing a lot about different and other alternative drugs or things. That that they've been using for a long time and the side effects. And I think that probably is a, is a big feather in your cap, Warren, that you're able to have those conversations and do so, so intelligently. Don't you think, Kara?
1: Yeah. I mean, we mentioned when we, when we spoke previously, the importance of having just those well-rounded partners you know, in your industry and having a, a leadership team that can really communicate this well and is aware of the types of people that you're going to come in contact with and maybe some of their natural objections that they might have. Um, can you speak just a little bit about what that's been like for you and the importance of that?
2: Yeah. Um, no matter what sort of entrepreneurial endeavor you're going into, the likelihood of being able to do it yourself is very low. You know, you're going to need a team and I'm not suggesting that you need to have the finances to be able to go out and hire hire a team right off the bat, but you're gonna need support. And um, I think two things in finding that support that are important is they have to know what they're doing and it's not enough just to be passionate. And that's a mistake I've made in the past, I've made early on in this endeavor, is bringing on people maybe a little bit too early. And it, just because they're passionate doesn't mean they're going to be the right person for the for the job. So I think that that's, it's important that you're gonna need people to rely on but at the same time, you're going to have to lead it, and you're going to have to be willing to pick up and do whatever, whatever you can do. And there's an old quote that's often misquoted, and it says that, um, you know, a jack of all trades is a master of none. And you are going to have to be a jack of all trades. But the last part of that quote is, I think, the most interesting thing. And the full quote is, a jack of all trades is a master of none, but oftentimes better than a master of one. And so you're going to have to wear a lot of hats and you're going to want a team that is willing to wear a lot of hats as well. As we bring people on, everybody that comes on our team is in sales. That's our objective is to sell these products. And anybody who wants to come on the team and say, well, I'm not interested in sales, you're not going to be the right person for us. Whether you're a veterinary advisor, whether you're, you know, no matter what you're doing with us, sales is your job. And so rounding up that quality team is, is important and making sure that the skills that they have complement your own.
1: Excellent. Thank you so much for clarifying that and kind of speaking to that a little bit. I really appreciate it. Kim, is do you have any other questions for Warren?
0: I know I could sit here and continue this conversation with you, Warren, all day long because there's so many interesting points that you've brought up along the way today. I think at this point, we would love for our listeners to be able to know where to find you, where to find your products, and give us websites and information so that they're able to get in touch with you if they found something intriguing in the conversation that we've had today.
2: Canahorse.com and our social media is pretty much all the same other than Instagram is canahorse.co. And yeah, you can order there. You also can book on the website. You're able to book a 30-minute consultation if you want to learn more about how we can help your, your particular case. We're very, very happy to help educate people. We try not to get too into comparing ourselves to other other products. but if you've tried a cannabinoid product, if you've tried another CBD product, especially a pellet,'re we're, we're more than happy to talk to you and explain to you why that, why that might not have been effective. That's something that we find a lot of. Education is something we think is is very important and so we're um, you know we're happy to take the time to to educate anybody.
1: Excellent. Thank you so much, Warren. So folks, we'll have the information that Warren just provided. That's canahorse.com, C-A-N-N-A horse.com. We'll have that in our show notes for this episode and also in the show notes on our linked on our website. So you guys can check it out and look there for more information. Warren, thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to chat with us today a little bit about your equine business. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Business Animal. Be
0: sure
2: to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And if you learned something today, leave us a review. To learn more, find us at thebusinessanimal.com. We'd love to hear from you. Until next time, keep your business well-trained with The
1: Business Animal.